Alright, so um, last week, before I read last week, we have uh, heard Pastor Well in his sermon, and uh, he shared with us the uh, defense of Paul in his ministry, uh, particularly, it's important to him because he's not only defending himself actually, but actually the reason why he's defending his ministry because undermining his authority, undervaluing his authority, is actually undermining and undervaluing the gospel that he is preaching. And so Paul defended himself by first making allegiance to the gospel. And uh, that allegiance is true whether he's being praised or he is uh, being uh, reviled or maligned. Another is, uh, Pastor Well shared with us as well, is that he defended himself by showing the authenticity of the message of the gospel. And thirdly, he defended his ministry by making his own testimony. And so, um, okay, so they will try to connect for me. Thank you. And because the reason uh, for that is his testimony is his ultimate defense because his life was changed because of the gospel. And last week, we have heard uh, Sister Gilrose who gave us a very stirring and very uh, moving testimony of her life. And I hope and pray that whenever people would come and minister to us through testimony, we will be a safe place. We will be a church who will just savor the wonders and the beauty of the gospel in action in the life of that person. And uh, that's wonderful because every time a person would come and would um, give his, his or her testimony, his or she is coming at a place of vulnerability. It's not easy to open yourself to people, particularly your past, your bad past. It's difficult for people. And people would come so that you will be encouraged and that you will also uh, come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the lives uh, and through their lives. And I hope uh, many of you will also be encouraged to say and to speak on your um, testimonies as well. Okay. Um, with that, um, they're having troubles with my uh, iPad. I think, uh, okay na po. I know you have patience, so hindi na ako gagamit ang iPad. Okay. But I think I would, uh, let's, let's read the word of God first. Uh, our text, as you know, we're studying the, book, uh, the epistles according to Galatians. And so we are reading that. Thank you, Jonah. You're wonderful. Okay. Okay. All right. We're good to go. All right. So we'll be reading from Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. And may I request you to please stand as we uh, hear and listen to the word of God. We will be reading from Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And read along with me uh, as I flash them on the screen. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, 
the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and that they too to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas would led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? May the Lord be worshipped and praised by the reading of His word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the words that we have read. Lord, may these words ring into our heart. Speak to us powerfully today. Lord, teach us. And Lord, may these words, the words of life, come alive to us. And Lord, teach us in all truth. Be with us today, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I'll be seated. Well, today I know that you have seen in our Facebook page the title of my sermon. And the title of this is The Frenemies of the Gospel. I've used this term, frenemies. I know that uh, this is probably a new term in English. I don't know if this is, exists in the old English language. But frenemies, they are your friends and at the same time your enemies. And I know you have friends who are your friends and at the same time your enemies. Am I right? Do you have friends who are like that? You don't, know, you don't need to look for enemies anymore because your friends are also your enemies. You don't, know, you don't need to look for, your, for friends anymore because your enemies are also your friends. There's a saying in English, with friends like you, who need enemies? Sometimes our spouses are also our frenemies. They're our friends as our enemies. A sister of mine texted me in Tagalog ang sabi, yung atin daw mga asawa ay kakampi natin sa malalaking bagay sa laban ng buhay natin. Pero kaaway natin sila sa mga walang kakwenta-kwentang bagay. <laughs> Totoo. <laughs> kakampi mo ang asawa mo sa laban nyo, sa mga in-laws, sa lahat ng 
problema sa buhay, sa problematic child, kakampi mo yung asawa mo. Pero sa sausawa ng pati sa toyo, kaaway mo siya. Sa hindi na ipa- napatay na aircon sa gabi, kaaway mo siya. Sa toothpaste na hindi na ibalik, and I'm speaking to my wife na nalagi kaming pinagagalitan, sa toothpaste na hindi na ibalik, ay kaaway namin siya. Frenemies. And I'm using this term because there are people who are frenemies of the gospel. And these are dangerous people. And why do we have frenemies? Why do I say we need to beware of the frenemies of the gospel? Because they exist. They exist then and they exist now. And you might be sitting next to a frenemy of the gospel. Sino kaya? Ang frenemy of the gospel. I say this because the gospel is always under attack. There are people who would be enemies of the gospel and at the onset, overtly, they might be friends. Now, To the enemies outside of the church, it's clear. We don't need to decipher them. We don't need to know them. They will tell us, we don't believe in you. In fact, they don't care. For people who don't share faith with us, they will say, you practice your faith for all we care. Don't mind us. Right? For people who don't share our faith, they don't mind us. They don't care about us. For them, you practice your faith, good for you. Don't mind me. Don't even touch me. The more difficult thing here is this. We have people with us. Same as the problem in this epistle to the Galatians, in the book of Galatians. They have enemies inside their ranks, inside the church, and it's dangerous. It's true in, during Jesus' time. It's, it's true during the apostles' time, and it's still true today. We have frenemies. And you see, the gospel is always under threat. And the reason why Paul was very unrelenting with his words, he did not mince his words if you read this. In fact, if you read it first time, you might probably think that Paul is bad-mouthing Peter. Right? First time you read it, like, huh? Sinisiraan niya si Peter sa mga Galatians. Sabi niya, stand condemned yan. Hipokrito tong si Peter. Nalabasan nyo? Hindi ako may basa niya. sa Bible yon. But that's the first reading, when you first read it. But why did Paul write that? Because for Paul, it's very important for the people of Galatia to know and to note that we, even we as apostles, we can miss handle the truth. If we're not careful, we might mishandle the truth and pervert the gospel. Meaning, our enemies, none other than ourselves. And that's why Paul was very carefully, was very careful in writing that letter because if we're not careful, we, even we as an apostle, we might miss, we, we might have misstep, we might mishandle the gospel. Si Peter na yon, ah. Si Peter na. That is the importance of this chapter. You know, 
this is kind of a narrative in the story because if we will go back to the story, uh, Paul met with the apostles. And when Paul met them and said, okay, I'm preaching the gospel, do you agree with this message? And of course, the apostles said, yes, it's true. You continue. Don't forget the poor. Preach the gospel because the gospel is not only for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. Go on, my dear brother. That's the story if you read chapter 2. And later on, people and ESV's uh, translation is very apt. Influential people in the church crept in and even influenced Peter and James. Could you imagine that? And so Paul says, if you're not careful, we will all be stand condemned. We will all stand condemned if we're not very careful. That is the message of Apostle Paul. He's not reviling, he's not maligning these people. They are their brothers. They are his brothers in God. But that is the warning for all of us. And so the gospel is always on the duck. Church history will tell you that the gospel is always and all the time the enemy wanted to pervert the message of Jesus Christ. And you know this, uh, Alan Hirsch and uh, uh, Mark Nelson in their book, Reformation, narrated about this German monk, and you know his name, Martin Luther. Martin Luther, during his time, discovered that the gospel also was also being under attack. During that time, Martin Luther discovered this, and he described this, and he used this German term called anfectum. Anfectum, according to Martin Luther, is this. He would describe his personal spiritual terror, his personal spiritual despair, or personal religious crisis. And he termed that as anfectum. What are the anfectums of your life? Meaning, what is your greatest spiritual despair? What is your greatest religious crisis? And this is the anfectum, the religious crisis of Martin Luther. When he's reading Romans, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, he went and bumped into this verse. He discovered the righteousness of God. And for him as a German monk, for him as a priest, he said, how can the righteousness of God be good news to me? At best, this righteousness of God, if this righteousness will find me, it will punish me. There is no way I can approximate myself to the righteousness of this God. And therefore, this becomes to me an infectum, a spiritual moral crisis, spiritual despair, religious crisis. Nakaroon ng crisis si Martin Luther. How can the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, be good news to a sinner like me? How? If this God is righteous and I'm a sinner, God will punish me because I could not come alongside him. I could not approximate to that holiness. That's not good news. And then, part of that infectum, this German monk discovered this. The righteous shall live by faith. And then, aha, there is a way for us to live in righteousness and that is by faith through Jesus Christ, to Jesus Christ alone. 
And so he discovered that. And then, of course, the Reformation was born. That aha moment. So you would understand why Apostle Paul was very, very critical of this. Why? Because your souls, our souls are hinged on this truth. For Martin Luther, what the gospel to him was an answer to his spiritual unfectum. For Martin Luther, the spiritual guilt that he experienced was met by the gospel. But you know, in this time and moment, it's not just spiritual guilt that's being met by the gospel. All humanity's brokenness, all of our brokenness is met and answered by, by the gospel itself. And so that is the message. And if the gospel is always under attack, we need to come together not only to defend it, but to preserve it. Because there are people who will attack the gospel. The enemy does not want the gospel to be preached truly and truthfully. Why? Because it will save souls. It will transform lives. And the, gospel, and the enemy does not want that gospel to be preached. And who are the enemies of the gospel? Let me start by the first group of people as you can find here in chapter 2. There would be many, but for the interest of time, I'll give you only three. The first people who are the frenemies of the gospel, as we can find in Galatians chapter 2, would be the reducers. Let me read to you Galatians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. These people had slipped into in as spies to find out about our freedom we have through our union with Christ Jesus. They wanted to make slaves of us, we did not give in to them for a minute in order to keep the truth of the gospel safe for you. Now, what happened here is that, as you know, these people wanted to add more to the gospel. These people imposed to the, to the people of Galatia that they needed to be circumcised in order for them to get saved. They needed to perform certain Jewish rituals for them to complete their salvation or for them to become part of the family of God. Of course, that is not true. So they are reducers. But wait a minute, you said they're reducers. Actually, they're adding. If you add or reduce the gospel, you are a reducer. Why? Because this is essentially what you are saying. When you add something to the gospel, you are reducing it because you are saying that the gospel isn't enough. You need to do something so that the efficacy and the effectiveness of that gospel will happen. For that, for that gospel to be effective, for that gospel to be true, you need to do something in order to activate it. That's adding into it, you're reducing the efficacy of that gospel. Therefore, you're, you are reducing the power of the gospel. So you are a reducer. During their time, they want to add Nowadays, we have a different battle. There are people who reduce the gospel. In fact, we can be reducer of the gospel. In this book, Soul Searching, by two Christian sociologists, Smith and Denton, they sh share this, that we as believers suffer from MTD. 
and this is kind of highfalutin word, we suffer from moralistic therapeutic deism. Malalim, but I will explain to you. Hang on, hang on. Before you judge me. We reduce the gospel, we reduce our faith because we have in the church moralistic, therapeutic deism. We just want to know facts about God, but never the knowledge of God. We just know Him, but fail to experience Him, thereby reducing our faith, minimizing our reality of experiencing God in our life. What is this MTD? If you are suffering from MTD, you are a reducer. Let me give this to you. MTD. First is that moralistic. There's nothing wrong with us being morals because effectively, the effect of the gospel in our lives is that we will be able to live a righteous life, a moral life. That is the effect of the gospel in us. But we suffer MTD and thereby reducing the gospel effect in us because faith in us has been reduced to rules to just have to have a happy life. You're following God because you just want to be happy. You are making the gospel just rules-based. You don't hurt anyone, you don't do anyone, so long as you don't hurt anyone. Alam mo yung kasabihan na yon. wala naman akong tinatapakan. So, it must be right. It becomes moralistic. We are following certain codes. We are just following certain rules so that you can be happy. Is gospel just rules-based? If I need to follow certain rules, if I do point one, point two, and point three, I've done what I could, I'm happy, I'm good, then I've performed my faith. What is the effect if we become very moralistic? We become legalistic. Morality becomes good only when we understand the gospel. Why are you doing what you're doing? Bakit kayo nato church? Bakit kayo naririto? You should just be outside. Ang sarap manood ng sini. Ang sarap maggala. Why are you? Why are you here? Because you just want to perform. I've attended church and therefore going to church makes me holy. Check. Is that your theology? I'm not saying don't hear what I am not saying. I am not saying you don't go to church. I'm not saying you don't become good. I'm saying you, don't, you disobey God. I'm not saying that. Don't hear what I am not saying. But if you're just here because you're just performing rules, you're just performing a moral obligation for me to tick the box because I feel good, I feel holy when I'm in the church, you are wrong. You don't just come here because you just want to tick a box and say, I come to church, holy na ako, I perform my moral obligation. That's not worship. I suggest something better. You go to the movie house, make good of your time. Why are you here? Because you're performing a moral code or you're here because you know why you're here? You are not just dragged to be here. You know that you will worship a great and mighty God. You're not just here to perform a religious ritual. You reduce the gospel when you do that, when you embrace that kind of theology. Moralistic. 
The other one in part of that MTD syndrome is therapeutic. Eto, marami tayong tatamaan ito. Feeling ko, after this, there will be a backlash to me. Faith is reduced to self-help tool. I only needed the gospel because it will make me happy. This is wrong. Whenever we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, alam mo kapatid, when you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, all your problems will be gone. The Lord will heal you. True or not true? Biblical or unbiblical? Pag tinanggap niyo ang Panginoon, nanampala tayo kayo sa Panginoong Yesus, hindi na kayo magkakasakit? Hindi na kayo magkakaproblema? Mas dumami nga problema niyo minsan eh. Bakit? You will face now persecution. The things that you want to do before, you will not do anymore. Mahilig ka sa toma, mahilig ka manigarilyo, hindi ka na muna gagawin yan. Why? Because you want to obey God. You're now going against your flesh. It's not easy. What's easy? What's easy is that going through alongside your flesh. That's easy. Going sinning is easier. But why are you doing that? Why are you obeying God? Just to make good about yourself? We're reducing gospel if we embrace that theology. So what will happen when we embrace a very therapeutic theology of the gospel? What happened? We embrace and we will be prone embracing the prosperity gospel teaching. And this is what happens when you do that. Ganito, pag kayo merong therapeutic view of the gospel, therapeutic view of your faith. You will always equate people who get sick, who don't get what they pray for, who suffer trials or undergoing trials, whatever. You will think that these people are being punished by God. On the other hand, if people are materially blessed, they are, have very good health, lahat ng pinagpipray nila, nanalo sila sa loto ng 11 million, recently someone, napapawaw, ba't napapawaw kayo? Tingnan nyo, kinakabahan ako sa theology ninyo. Wow! 11 million loto, wow! May tumataya dito sa loto, I'm sure. I rebuke you, sister, ha? Baguhin mo yan. Huwag kang tumaya sa loto, mamalasin ka. Look, let's, let's, let's face this. You know, ano magiging effect? You would now believe that people who are materially blessed, physically blessed, hindi nakakasakit yung mga anak nila, they're all good, they are blessed by God. Biblical or unbiblical? True or not true? Not true. It does not necessarily mean na nakasakit kayo. It does not necessarily mean na kayo ay, meron kayo pinalalangin, hindi binigay sa inyo ng Panginoon. It does not necessarily mean that the things that you prayed for were given to you or were not given to you. It doesn't mean that you're being punished by God. Why? God is not a God who, okay, this is the effect of therapeutic uh, gospel. If I do good, God will grant me what I'm asking Him. Check. If I do wrong, at 2 p.m., God will punish me. Don't hear what I am not saying. I am not saying here that obedience will not be followed by blessing. God wants you to obey Him and there is natural blessing accompanies those people who obey God. Definitely. So don't get me wrong. Ang dami kong disclaimer kasi baka ma-misinterpret niyo ako eh. Itong sinasabi ko, 
may mali tayong theology that when we see people who are experiencing pain, we would very quick to assume, sister, do you have an unconfessed sin? Or is there something in you that, wow, may telephone number kayo ng Diyos? Para you could tell that person na you're, being, you're suffering, you have a disease, your children are like that because you have an unconfessed sin. Da, 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 da. Why? Because you view gospel as something like that. Wrong theology. Or if people are blessed, anong sikreto mo, brother, sister? Why are you being blessed by God? Hindi mo alam, marami siyang kasalanan. The reason why marami siyang pera, tumaya siya sa loto. I was joking one time, Tita Bell and Tito Jim, because they live with us. Uh, we're talking about the need of money. We all need that. Sabi ko, huwag kayong tatayo ng loto, ha? Pero sabi ko, pero kung bibigyan niyo ako bigla ng 20 mil, hindi na ako magtatanong. I will not ask. <laughs> That's a joke. That is a very wrong notion. If you do that, my dear brothers and sisters, you are reducing the gospel. You are reducing your faith. God will act because He is great. God is good because He is good. Because if God will just act upon what we do, we will all be dead. That's what we deserve, right? So where is grace there? Huwag ninyong isipin ang pagtao ay nagkakaroon ng sakit, may magulang na nagkasakit, kapatid, anak niya may nagkasakit, o nawalan siya ng trabaho, may kasalanan siya. Not necessarily, it does not necessarily follow. In law, we call it non-secretur. It does not necessarily follow. Huwag niyong isipin yon. Mali ang theology nyo. Straight to your face. Mali ang theology nyo. It does not necessarily mean a person is blessed materially, siya ay pinagpapala ng Panginoon. Mali ang theology nyo. Wrong. Makipag-debate kayo sa akin talaga. Hahamunin ko kayo. Mali yon. Wala yun sa Bible. Why I'm very, very emphatic on that? Because it will not give you a clearer picture of the sovereignty of God in your life. Pag dumaan ka sa pagsubok, makikita mong bahagi yon ng pagtawag sa'yo ng Diyos. You will not curse God. I'll share this with you. The safe, secure, and prosperous life is not the life followers of Jesus had been given and are called to participate in. The reason why we give in to the moralistic, therapeutic gospel is this. Because we want a, a gospel that is safe, secure, and prosperous. That's what we want. But that is not, not, not the life that we are called in. We are called, the overwhelming testimony of the Bible is that the people who come in contact with God will be swept into the whirlwind of action, excitement, adventure, as well as the pain, struggle, and suffering. And you will see that as part of your Christian call, you will see that as part of the beauty of God's call in your life. You will not curse God. You will see the part and parcel of your walking alongside in faith. Because that is inevitably part of what it means to follow Jesus. This is known in the New Testament as abiding in Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and discipleship. Kaya naiintindihan ninyo, kung dumaraan kayo sa pagsubok, Meron kayong promotion na hindi nyo makuha-kuha. Meron kayong anak na problematic. Meron kayong asawang nagloloko sa inyo. I know that's part of your trial. I know that's part of your suffering. You will not curse God and say, Lord, why are you punishing me? Not necessarily, anak. I'm just testing you. Why? Because in that testing, you will discover faith. You will discover how good your God is. Why? Because we don't want to fall into the third trap. 
becoming just deistic. It's not bad to believe in God. But we're reducing God when we just know facts about Him, but we don't know Him. Many of us here who grew up in this church would know God. We know facts about God, but we've never experienced Him. You know, I've said this. The most pitiful people on earth would be these people. You're already inside this church. You've heard the gospel every Sunday. You've served. You've attended. Worst, you've preached. And then, finding out that you're not saved. That's pitiful. You're here. You might as well experience the gospel. Question ko sa inyo, have you experienced the gospel? You've experienced how it changed you. You've experienced how that message turned your life 180. This gospel moved you. And that's why it's worth sharing. Kasi kung naranasan mo, you will really share it. We don't want to have a faith that is to have a reduced God. And because of that reduced God, God becomes a distant force. He becomes a distant being, indifferent, not involved in our lives. You might just know facts about God, but do you really know God? Do you have the knowledge of God? Makaiba yun. I might have a lot of theology. I'm not saying that theology is bad. We need it. But if you just have head knowledge of God and you have not experienced Him, ask yourself if you're truly a Christian. Ang daming may alam sa Bible, totoo lang. Ang dami kong kilala. I worked with a Christian organization for six years of my life. Ang dami ko dung namit sa ulado ang Bible, super husay. Pero I couldn't say whether they live a life that is God-fearing. Have you experienced the gospel? The second people who are the frenemies of the gospel will be the hypocrites. Hypocrites are not your friends. Just, just to make sure. Huh? Dito, this is not about your friends. Alam po niya yung hypo, hypocrite came from the Greek word hypocrites. Hindi marites, ah, hypocrites. <laughs> and the root word of that comes because during the Greek times, uh, during the ancient times, all actors are males. Bawal ang bata, bawal ang babae. So they will have masks. So they will wear masks if they are uh, female, they will wear masks if they need to perform other um, uh, uh, roles. Okay? Kasi noon, di pa naman uso ang mga makeup. Diyan na uso yung ating salitang sa Spanish term na doble, hob doble cara. Kasi you can change. That's a hypocrite. Now, when we read Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 and 12, there are some men who pretended to be brothers and joined the group. They pretended. In fact, in 12, we can read before some men who had been sent by James. See, James Pang nagpadala arrived. Peter had been eating with the gentle brothers, but after these men arrived, medyo nagbago si Peter. Medyo nahiya. I don't know. He drew back and would not eat with them because he was afraid of those who were in favor of circumcising the Gentiles. What happened to Peter? What happened? These are apostles, ha? by the way. These are apostles. We're not talking about 
Reynaldo Dandan, who is a so-so Christian, these are Apostle Peter. You know, the gospel exposed the hypocrites. Because this is what they do. They pretend. And this is the danger of these frenemies, the hypocrites. The hypocrites would pretend they know the gospel, but they don't know it. And this is the danger. The people who pretend to know something are the ones who are braggy. They will impose upon you their knowledge of God, thereby reducing God. You know what's the reason why the Jewish people never experience and even recognize Jesus? You know why? Because they are hypocrites. They only use a lens that is known to them. They only use their Jewish lens to see God and to know God. They never use the lens. The proper lens is the scripture. They never use the proper lens and therefore missing God in the process. God is creative in the way He would present Himself to you, the way you would find Him, the way you would discover Him. So if you would know this God, He's an exciting God. He's not a boring God. You know, the Jewish people failed to see Jesus because they were very hypocrite. They were wearing another mask and failed to see that Jesus would not come as a king. And they failed this. They missed it. They thought that Jesus would only come as a king. He would come as a conqueror. But how creative God is in presenting himself to the people. Jesus was born in the most unexpected way, in the most creative of ways. How is that? Jesus was born to a poor family, to a country that has no territory, remember, and to a people who's under the Roman Empire. The Jewish people did not accept that up to this very moment because they failed to see the beauty and the creativity of God. Marami tayo mga reduction of, of God. Sometimes you see your situations and your situations get into the way of you knowing God. I say this because while I say people are reducing God, we also reduce it. I did not ask permission, but let me say, some people came to our home and these people, I'm very, very heartened that they were wanted to do mission. And I was very excited. They were presenting deal here and there. And they told me, may problema po kami. We have a problem. So, what's your problem? We needed uh, 200,000. At namumoblema ito, mga kapatid na ito. Namumoblema sila. O, saan po kami kukuha ng 200,000? Sandali muna. Sandali. Wait, wait, wait. Kaninong mission to? Inyo o sa Diyos? Alam niyo yung salita? Mission day, right? Mission of God. Whose mission is that? Yours? Ang galing nyo naman, mission kayo. Whose mission is mission? Is that your mission or God's mission? That is God's mission. You are only called to participate in it. And therefore, if that's God, that is God's mission, you're actually asking a very low price. What is 200,000 pesos? Ask 2 million. Why? Because, natatawa kayo. Because you see your situation, that's impossible. Come on. Oh, come on. You don't know God. Your God is a God of a big yes. 
Pero, this is how we see God. Using our own lens, we will say, hindi pwedeng ganun eh. You're reducing God, you're reducing faith. Are you seeing God properly? Remove the theology. Bali na naman ang mga theology natin sa Diyos. When we bought our home in Bukit Panjang, my son told me, and he was praying, Lord, give us a big backyard. I told my son, anak, we're not citizens. Only citizens can have landed house. In the first place, we do not have money to buy a landed property. In fact, we don't have much money to buy an HDB. How much more a landed property? I rebuked my son. How many of you have come to our home already? Have you seen our backyard? We are facing the entire Bukitima Nature Reserve. <laughs> And in fact, when you go down, there's a big backyard, right? God is very creative in the way He answered our prayers. And you see how much little faith I have given my son? Nanirebuke ko pa siya sa prayer niya. There might be situations in your life right now that you're reducing God. Hindi ko kayo encourage kayo, nire-review ko kayo, tigil-tigilan nyo yan mga kapatid. How do you see your God? Do you see your God as a small God? We put God in a small box and say, this is God. God can only act this way. God can only answer me this way. We don't see a bigger God that creatively He can do wonders. Nahati niya nga yung dagat eh. The people of Israel were wondering how we're going to cross. Nagiiyaka na sila, di ba? Wait a minute. You have a God who can split waters. Dalawang beses nga na ulit. Yung isa mas maliit, yung isa mas malaki. If you're reading your scriptures. You see? Tapos nagdududa pa kayo. Paano ako mapopromote, Lord? Yung kalabang ko, gano'n. Wag. I rebuke you. Lord, may sakit ako. Paano ako gagaling? Huh? Sino may sabi hindi ka gagaling? Dito man o sa kabilang buhay, gagaling ka pa rin naman, hindi ba? Lord, wala po akong pera. Ayan, talaga totoo yan. <laughs> part yun ang ating struggle. Oh. Part yun ang struggle and pain of Christianity. Wala tayong mga pera. Okay lang. Okay lang yun. But you see, We have a lot of reductions about God. Stop it! Tigil-tigilan nyo yan, mga kapatid. How do you view God? Small or big? We must be big. We should not be hypocrite. And the last one, the last uh, group of people are the cowards and the gullibles. Mga takot, mga duwag. Coward meaning those people, perhaps at this point, Peter, Barnabas, who failed to confront these people. Kasi alam nyo, the Bible says they are very influential. Siguro they wanted to compromise or something, they became very cowards. And I've said this, Paul is not maligning this uh, Peter and the rest of the apostles. In fact, the reason why he wrote that is because he wanted to tell the people that this is very important message. We must not mishandle the scriptures. We must not reduce God and the gospel. We should not be cowards. Because, you see, the enemy is not sometimes from the outside. The enemy is us. Are you coward? Are you, is God 
asking and calling you to share the gospel. But because you're a hypocrite, but because you are a loser, you cannot share it. Because number one, it's not true to you. Number the second one is that you don't experience it. May we and may I encourage you today, if you have not yet experienced the gospel, why don't you ask God, Lord, I want to experience the power of this gospel in my life. I cannot just be sitting here year after year, Sunday after Sunday, listening to the word, and I'm not experiencing you. This gospel must be true. Because that is true. How many of you, you've found, and God has found you, and the gospel of Jesus Christ sought you, and you see that this gospel truth, this gospel message is true. How many of you will say, yes, that gospel is true to me. I've experienced it. Nabago ako ng Ebanghelyo ni Jesus. Sino? Awala masyado. Tas yung kami ninyo. Sige, huwag kayong mahiya. Dati kayong drug addict, dati kayong babaero, dati kayong may kabit, dati kayong, lahat yon dati. No more. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ changed you. So now that it has changed you, will you reduce God? Will you reduce that gospel? Or you will say, I will share it. Because this is true to me. Many people will even offer their lives for that truth. We should do the same. And I'll end here. I will debunking myself. This is not good in homiletics. So those people are taking homiletics. Don't take it from me. I'm debunking myself to make a point. I've entitled my sermon, Frenemies of the Enemies. But you know, in actuality, there's no frenemy of the gospel. Why? Because you are either a friend or an enemy. There's no middle ground. If you're in the middle ground, you're an enemy, automatic. To be in the middle ground is to be on the other side. And you are on the enemy's side. We are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because He saves because He transforms people, because He loves people. The gospel is good news to the sinner, for in it, He has found redemption. But to the religious hypocrites, to the cowards, the gullibles, to the reducers, it is a bad omen. Why? Because none of their religious work, none of their work really matters. Because salvation is never by works. It's by faith. I hope that we will not be no longer a frenemy. We will not be an enemy of the gospel, but rather a friend of the gospel. Because that gospel message changed us. And my dear brothers and sisters, I hope you will not reduce this gospel in your life. You will not reduce the gospel testimony in your life. And you will not reduce your view of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have called us to a deeper understanding of your word, deeper understanding of your truth. Lord, forgive us if there are many times we have reduced you. We have reduced our knowledge of you. We have reduced our view of you. We think you and always see you in our situations, that this is impossible for you to do. You cannot do this. You cannot... Uh, Give this to us. But Lord, Father, 
You are creative in the ways you will even answer our prayers. And so, Father, increase the faith of my dear brothers and sisters and let them, Lord, see how great, how beautiful, how majestic you are in their lives. That they will see you as a God of a big yes. That they will see you as a God who cares and loves them, O Lord. Father, I pray that we will also not reduce the gospel by not sharing it. Lord, speak to the hearts of your people today. Encourage them to share this wonderful truth about you. And Father, I pray that we will not embrace a moralistic and therapeutic, just deistic theology, but rather we will embrace a life that is full of action, adventure, and excitement. And part of that will be our pain, our struggle, and we will all see them in your sovereignty as part of our journeying with you and in Christ Jesus. Father, be with your people today. Encourage them as they walk in you, as they abide in you, as you fill them, as you are with them. We worship you and glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's all stand to receive the benediction. May God himself open your minds to see his light so that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings he promises his people and how great is his power at work in us who believe. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Spirit, and the love of the Father Almighty be with us all in the name of this trying God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God will respond with amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, everyone. Let us live out the gospel of Jesus.